Welcome to Connection Church's podcast. This week, Brandon continues his message entitled Resolution. In order for a resolution to work, there must be a turning to do something different. This year, how can we turn our speech in ways that will speak life into other people? All right. Well, we're going to continue looking at uh, our New Year's resolutions and kind of where we're going this year. We started that last week. Um, but real quick, I do want to plug again the, the service tonight. I know sometimes when you begin to hear um, about healing and you're talking about praying for sick people, so there, it's sort of like when we talked about the Holy Spirit a while. Everybody has their own context that they understand that in. I want to encourage you, um, and I believe this with all my heart, it's time to take healing back from a handful of, of charlatans who abused it and to begin to bring it back into the kingdom of God where people are, can be healed and where people can walk in wholeness, not just physically, but spiritually and emotionally. I want you to come and be a part of that. Listen to me. Um, we have an opportunity to pray for people who are in need. I don't know about you, but, but I mean, I myself could use prayer um, for healing. I, I, I myself could use prayer um, for different areas of my life. It's, it's something that we all need. So I want to encourage you tonight. Come back. Even if you are perfect and, and, you, know, and you don't need anything, Come and agree with us because your prayers will be especially uh, needed if you're perfect and, and, and spotless before God. So just come and worship with us. Just hang out. It'll be a great time. We'll worship. We'll, we're going to have some testimonies. Um, we're going to just have a good time and we're going to pray for people and just believe that God would touch their lives and change them. Um, today I want to talk to you uh, a little bit about this. Um, I believe strongly in the things that we say have power in our life. And I want to look at that today um, and look at it maybe a little bit different. I want to look at, the, um, at how we talk, um, the things that, we, that come out of our mouth. I'm not going to lecture you for 20, 30 minutes on cussing and that kind of, but I want you to see, I hope by the end of today, that you begin to see why the things that we say are important and, and the reason for that. Um, and I hope you'll see that. I don't know about you, but so many times I see Christians who um, they're actions and what they say don't necessarily line up. Have you ever noticed that before? We come in a lot of times and we worship God and then we go out after lunch and we cuss out the waitress because they didn't get our drink order right. Anybody ever witnessed that? You know, um, some of the meanest people in the world can be Christians. We'll beat people with our tongue and just in, in a hurry, especially we see somebody down. It's always great. We can really whip them then with our tongue. And so I want to look at that today. And there's times in my life when I really look at it and I go, what are they talking about? You ever done that? What you talking about? What you talking about? What you talking about? What you, what you, what you talking about? What? That used to be one of my favorite shows. So this week I was praying about this and I was like, we got to get Gary Coleman on there. Who knew that Gary Coleman, you know, back then as cute as he was, now you like have to be careful YouTubing Gary Coleman videos because of the things you'll see. But uh, it, it's just... One of those things where a lot of times I look at it and I go, what are you talking about? I mean, we come in, I thought about it this morning, we were singing Happy Day. And, and I think about, we come in and we sing Happy Day and we're all excited and pumped up and we walk out here and it, we talk like it's anything but a happy day. It's like as soon as we leave the church building, we forget that God really did die for our sins. He really did shed his blood so that no matter what happens today, our eternity is secure, Right? And we don't live like that sometimes. I want to read to you out of James chapter 3. Uh, this is the scripture that, that was really burning in my heart this, this week as I began to think about this. I want, to, I want to read to you James 3, 1 through 12. It's a little lengthy, but just hang in there and then we're going to look at it. 
says in verse 1, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole person's course of his life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of death, deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praising and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. God, we thank you for your word. God, I do pray right now that that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would speak so clearly to our hearts, God. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would just begin to melt everything that's around our hearts that would keep us from hearing your word. God, I pray that this this good seed, God, would find good soil. Let it produce great fruit in our lives, Father. God, I pray that today it would begin to change the course of our lives. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We give you praise. We give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. You know, I believe this wholeheartedly. If you listen to somebody talk long enough, you can learn just about anything you want to learn about them. Have you ever noticed that? If we will hush long enough to listen to what somebody says, you can tell just about anything about them. And I believe this too. If you listen to somebody long enough, you can tell the direction that their life is going to go in. Have you ever noticed that you can tell the direction that their life is going to go in? I don't know if you've ever been talking to somebody, but there are certain people, and I can name a few, that if you talk to them for more than 10 minutes, pretty soon this um, spiral of death begins to happen. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but you can go in in a great mood. You can be pumped up, just living for God, all excited, and all of a sudden you leave after 30 minutes with some people, and you're like, my gosh. Oh, Jesus, just come on now. Take us away. You know, take me away, Calgon, that kind of thing. It's like one of those things where it's just, oh, it just starts. And the more they talk, the worse it gets and the worse it gets and the worse it gets until finally you're like, there's no hope. There is no hope. And I believe if you listen to people long enough, you can tell where their life is going and the direction of their life based off of the things that they say. I believe right now, as we talk about starting a new year, and we began to start this new year last year, last week, looking at um, our resolutions and different things like that, of which four of you made resolutions last week. Everybody else has lost hope. So there it is. We, we're praying for, for other people who are here other than those four. But when we begin to look at this, when we begin to think about where's our life going, I believe we can begin to look at how are we talking I believe that the way you talk and the things that you say are a great indicator of where your life's going in 2009, 2010. Or 2010, actually. Okay, we're back into 2000. Never mind. Okay, AD, sorry. But in 2000, where is your life going? 
in 2010. And I believe that when you listen to the things that you say, you'll begin to know a little bit about where am I heading? And we're going to look at this so you can maybe begin to understand that a little more. It says in verse two right here of, of chapter three, it says, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. I mean, that's pretty crazy, isn't it? It tells us that if we will simply watch what we say, if we won't, we'll never be at fault in anything that we say, we can actually be perfect. We could actually be that guy, that girl who, when the, the, the preacher says, is anybody perfect? You can actually raise your hand and go, yeah, that's me. Yeah. But none of us can do that, can we? Can we hardly go a day without saying something that that we shouldn't have said? And we think about this. Well, I don't cuss. But how many times do we stab somebody in the back with the words that we say? How many times do we murder somebody's dream because of the things that we say? How many times do we abuse somebody because of the things we say? Maybe not even to their face, but behind their back. I mean, come on, we always say, we say a lot of things that just aren't right. And the Bible tells us if we can just stop doing that, then our whole body would be in check, that we would be a perfect man. It says he is a perfect man. He who can control his tongue is a perfect man. But nobody can do that. Nobody can keep their tongue in check. It says here in verse three, when we put bits into the horses, into the mouths of horses, To make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Think about that. It says the bit you put in a horse's mouth, it can actually guide that huge animal. This animal is so much stronger than we are, yet we put a bit in the horse's mouth and we can turn him any direction that he wants to go. It says that the rudder on a ship, although it's small, it's, it's, it's tiny in comparison to the rest of the ship. It says that it directs the whole ship and where it goes. And it says, listen, that the pilot can take it wherever He wants it to go. I ask you this today. Who is the pilot of your life? Who is the pilot of your tongue? Who's controlling the things that you say? Have you yielded that to God? Or is it something that that the devil is able to use to control your entire life? What are you speaking in your life today? See, I just, I just believe this with all my heart. If you listen to yourself long enough, you'll be able to tell where your life is going. Verse six says this, the tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire and itself set on fire by hell. You know, one of the things that the Bible tells us, and I want to read this. You don't have to turn there because we'll be back to James in just a minute. But I want to read to you Proverbs 18 real quick. I know it's in here somewhere. Proverbs 18. Beginning in verse 20, it says, From the fruit of his mouth a man's stomach is filled. With the harvest from his lips he is satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. See, here's the most amazing thing is that it tells us right here that the tongue is able to set the whole course of one's life on fire. 
able to set the whole course of one's life. Proverbs 18 tells us this, that there is life and death in our tongue. Have you ever thought about this? Have you ever thought about how you talk to people around you? How do you talk to your parents if you're still at home or if you're not at home? How, how do we talk to our parents? How do we treat them? How do we talk to our spouse? I mean, come on. Are we, are we speaking life to them or are we speaking death into them? Because it says right here that the power of life and death is in our tongue. How destructive can our tongue be? The things we say, listen, how destructive can it be when in our marriage? See, Susan and I, we, we've been working through, we, we try to communicate better now. I, I realize, you know, it's like after 10 years of marriage, we're terrible communicators with each other. It's like, I know sometimes when you're married, you get home and the last thing you want to do is rehash your entire day, right? But we've tried to begin to do this better. You know, I'll even take notes at meetings so I can go home and look at my notes now and say, well, we talked about this, this, and this, because I know the question is coming and, and women love it. Men are like, gosh, I just want to watch sports center. You know what I mean? And so we're trying to get better at this. And one of the things that God really put on my heart is that I need to be speaking life into my wife. Didn't really mean for that to rhyme, but it did. But I need to be speaking life into my wife. You know, and, and it just don't, you would think I would have gotten that by now, but I really, so now, and this is cheap, and guys, this is hard for me. Just don't, don't think this is easy, but, but I text things, because, and not because it's not true, but because it's just not my nature. But now I'm texting things to her, like answering her question, and then at the end, I'll just put like, you're a hottie, you know? <laughs> And she texts me back. She's like, you're crazy, smiley face. And the funniest thing is she'll walk in now and, and she walks into the office and John uh, Irvin will be in my office and she walks in and she's leaving. I'm like, you are so sexy. And she's like, shut up. And the funny thing is she's like, you're crazy. And she walks out. And the funniest thing about it is when she leaves, John goes, she loves it. It's just so funny, but, but you know, I mean, and, but I look at it and I don't want to be a man who my, I look in my wife's eyes and I see fear. I don't want to be a man when I look in my wife's eyes that, that I, I see somebody who's not whole. I want to speak so much life into her that other women look at my wife and get jealous. Amen. I want to speak so much life into her that it, it glows on her face. That should be what we're trying to do. It should be that when people look at her, that they begin to see someone who is so deeply loved. I mean, think about this, guys. Men, your wife is a reflection of you. In a lot of ways. Does she reflect the love of Christ, are you loving her as Christ loved the church? What's it, what is she reflecting? When you look into your wife's eyes, and some of us need to just start there. What do you see? I mean, come on, we burn up so many bridges, so many relationships with our tongue. Do we not? Is it not true that... Our, that life and death is truly in our tongue. Is it not true that our tongues set our whole life on fire? If we do not guard what we say, guard what we speak, we can destroy our entire life. Can we not? How many of you have ever said something and you say it and you go, oh my gosh, 
Why did I do that? I remember one, and I'll never forget this. I promise if I live to be 110, I'll never forget this moment in all of my life. Out of everything, I was about five, six years old. I have a cousin named Dusty. He was riding my bike. I wanted my bike. It was my bike. And now I know where my kids get it from. It was mine. You know, and I wanted my bike. And so Dusty's riding along, innocent, not doing anything wrong. And I just walk up and yank his hands off the handlebars. It worked. He came off the bike and I get it. And I start pedaling. Well, the next thing I know, my dad's got me. I'm in my room and it's not good. Now, when mom had me, I was like, I can survive this. I got this. But when dad had me, I'm like, it may not come out. But he only had to spank me four or five times, but it was because I didn't want to go through that again, you know? And so I go and, and he gets me and he just, and usually, you know, I got, you know, I got him with a belt, you know? I, I mean, it was a good spanking when I got a spanking and, but he comes in and he takes his hand and he, and he, he's got me and he hits me like three times on the rear end. And I'm like, that didn't hurt. Oh my gosh. From that point on, it was like a blur. It was like, whoo. All I know is the room was spinning around in circles. And I felt like my rear end was on fire. And I'm telling you, it was like slow motion. I was like, you know, and it just came out. And man, what da, what da, what da, what da, what da. And I was like, oh. And then I'm on the back crying. I'm like, oh. And I'm not even mad at him. I'm mad at myself. I'm like, why did I say that? So I learned at an early age, it is hard to keep a tight rein on your tongue. But we've all said things, man, to to our spouse, to our parents, to to our boss. It's all sorts of people we just run into at Walmart. You you know, they're in line and they're checking out and and somehow they cut in front of you. You just say something you shouldn't say. And then you go, oh, man, why did I say that? But we all do that. It's so hard to guard what we say. And yet it's so easy to burn things up in our life, as the Bible says, by the things that we say. I mean, it's so hard to just keep rain on this one little piece of our lives. Listen as it goes on. It says this. It says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no one, no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil. Listen to this, full of deadly poison. How many times do we inject poison into people's lives through the things that we say to them and the way that we speak? With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Listen, I believe this. As well, I, I believe that your tongue, if you will listen to what you say, the things that you speak about your life and about who you are, it will indicate so many things to you. One of them that it will indicate is your faith. It will indicate, this is why I believe that you can tell where your life is going by the things that you speak because it indicates the things that you're believing God to do. Think about that. If all you're speaking over your life is, well, I know if H1N1 comes this way, I'll be the one that gets it. There's no faith in that. Well, I know my kids are good now. They're six years old, but bless God, by the time they're 16, I know, you know, we're just going to get them on birth control because I know it's coming. 
I mean, that's, we laugh, but that, that, it happens. It happens. Come on. I was in the bathroom last night with, with Dake and Jackson. They were about to get in the tub and I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, and so I've been thinking about this whole thing of speaking life, not over only to my kids, but to my wife and, and the whole family and just believing in that. And, and, and I've been doing this. It's kind of corny. God, again, I admit this is kind of silly feeling to me because it's just different, but I've been writing things on the mirror like for my family so that that when they leave, they can read it. And so I'll write things about them. And I really believe that God has given me certain things for my wife and for my children. And I'll write it on there as an encouragement to them before I leave and go to work. And so I'm trying, I'm really trying to speak life into them and and writing scripture on the mirror. And my fear is because in the drawer, there's, there was like a permanent marker and a dry erase marker. And I'm like, one day I'm going to pick the wrong one up and I'm going to write in permanent uh, marker. and It's not going to come off, but, but you know, I'll erase it. Then I'll put something else. So I've been really trying and last night we were in there and Dake and Jackson, they're about to get in the tub. Dake's our seven-year-old, Jackson's our three-year-old. And they were running around. I don't know what got into the band. They, they were even wild for them last night. I mean, it was just wild. And they're running around, running around, running around. And I'm like, stop it, guys. Stop it. Stop it. Just stop. Just don't. Just chill out. Just quit. And the next thing I know, they're over there. And, and I'm doing some brush my teeth. I don't know what I was doing. But they're, they're pulling on a shirt. Just being kids. Pulling on a shirt. And, and tug of war. Back and forth. Back and forth. Well, you know, Dake's a pretty crafty little kid. He's, he's pretty wise for a seven-year-old. And so he just decides, I'll end this and let's go. And Jackson just kind of falls back, hits his arm up against the, the cabinets. And the next thing you know, he's like screaming, you know, he's crying, wailing. And, and something just came up out of nowhere. It was like, my head started feeling, and I was like, stop it. Stop it now. And it was like, oh, I was like, where did that come from? You know, but it was like, I just lost it. I just lost it. I mean, big time lost it with him. And Dakey's like, he's like, he runs out and he goes and he gets and, and you know, like covers up under the bed. And, and I'm like, ah, what did I just do? But I just realized again, man, how hard it is to keep our tongues uh, from destroying, from, from burning things up in our life, from, from tearing down. You know, I mean, did he need to get in trouble? Yes. Did he need to get in trouble to the extent that he got in trouble at that point? Probably not. But it was just that buildup, that buildup. If you've ever been to uh, Universal Studios or Disney World with children, you understand that buildup until finally you're just like, rrr, rrr, rrr. I've never seen Susan like that before until we went to Universal Studios one day and we walk in and the kids are everywhere and she's like, stop that, stop that, stop that, stop that. And then all of a sudden it was like, stop it. And it's like, I was really expecting her head to just kind of go around in circles, but man, they can push your buttons and they can begin to do these things. And, and, but it just becomes so evident to me when, when I begin to listen to what I say, how I can begin to tear people down. And I believe this, God wants us to speak life into people. He wants us to speak life into to people we come into contact with. He doesn't want us to begin tearing people down. And if you look at it, it it's very clear in the book of James that he is teaching us about, lists, about how we speak and the way it guides our life. One of the things that I was saying is, is that I believe very clearly in Scripture that, that the things we say are an indication of our faith and what we're believing for. I also believe, and this is a huge part of this, and, and I'm going to tie this together so that you understand why the things you say are so important. But I believe that one of the greatest things, the things that, that you say indicate is the condition of your heart. Okay? 
The things that you say are great evidence of the condition of your heart, of the very core of who you are. Okay, the very center of your being. It is an indication of that. If Listen, if you come in here and worship on Sunday and the rest of the week you're cussing people out, then we're just being what Paul says. Listen, salt water and fresh water can't come from the same place. So we've got to get to a point where our lives line up with, with, um, with the word where our lives line up with what we're confessing in here on Sunday. Because here's the thing, it's just like being in the bathroom there with Dakin Jackson. At some point, what's really there is going to come out, right? And so when we listen to what we say, there's something that we have to begin to take note of, and that is, what is the condition of my heart? And this is a scripture I want to read to you real quick. It's in Matthew chapter 12. If you want to turn there, it's 33 through 37. And this, I believe this, listen, this is to me the very core of why your tongue is so powerful. Verse 33 says this. Matthew 12, 33 through 37. Make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? Listen, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that men will give, uh, have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken for by your words, you will be acquitted and by your words, you will be condemned. Listen to this. This is so important because he tells us right here that the things you speak come from the overflow of your heart. And he says that you can even judge a tree by tree, make a tree good and its fruit will be good or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad for a tree is recognized by its fruit. And see, we can do the best that we possibly can to try to cover it up. We can come in here and we can speak that church language, you know, that we have. It's like our own little church language that when people walk in off the street, they've never been to church before. They have no clue what we're talking about. Like when you say something like it was a God thing and they're like, okay, whatever. And, but we have this, we can come in and we can do all that. We can try to act all this way, but eventually what's really in our heart is going to come out. See, we can sit there and we can come in and we can tell ourselves that we're, we're, we're an apple tree. You could say, oh, this, yes, I am an apple tree. This is, this is who I am, who I am. And, and, and you could even cover it up. But listen, if you're really an orange tree, eventually the oranges are going to come forth. If you don't deal with the seed, with the root of where this thing uh, originates, where it comes from, you're never going to produce any different fruit in your life. So as we're thinking about resolutions, as we're thinking about where we're going, we need to be looking at what we're saying, how we're talking. What are the things that I am talking about? How am I talking to people? What is coming out of my mouth? Because I believe with all my heart that it is a direct link to the condition of your heart. It's a link to your heart. So what are you saying? If all the issues of life spring forth from the heart, as the Bible says, then what's springing forth in your life? What are you speaking about? What are you talking about? Are you, is there life or is there death in your tongue? Are you building people up or tearing them down? I want to tell you one of the greatest problems with the tongue is right here. It's right here in, in the church, in the body of Christ. 
One of the greatest problems we have with the tongue is in the, because if you don't think the devil can get a hold of a couple of people's tongues and begin to tear down the body of Christ, I believe this with all, I believe that the devil will send people into a church specifically to tear it down with their tongue. And I realize this too, if you were stabbing people in the back at another church, it won't be long and you'll be stabbing them in the back here. Because you haven't dealt with the roots. You haven't dealt with the core problem. The things that are ultimately going to come out of your mouth are going to be the same things that came out of your mouth before. Does that make sense? Everybody together? Nobody's left yet? All right, cool. But I I do, I believe that. So we've got to deal with the core issue. Last scripture, and we'll get out of here. But I want to share this with you. It's in Jeremiah chapter 17. If you want to turn there, we're just going to be here for just a minute, and you'll get out of here. I want to read, and it's going to start in verse 5. Jeremiah 17, 5. Listen to this, because I believe this is the problem. If we're going to get things in order in 2010, then this is the, it is the heart issue that we've got to deal with. It says in verse 5, this is what the Lord says. Cursed is the man who trusts in, cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength. And listen, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He will be like a bush in the wastelands. He will not see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. It leaves, its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Now listen to this. As a, as a whole, everybody in this room, in some way or another, needs to turn their heart back to God. Can we go ahead and just get that straight? I mean, we, we are all dysfunctional in some way and need to get our heart back to God. One of the last things that the Bible says before going into the New Testament is that God will turn the hearts of children to their fathers and the hearts of fathers to their children. And so what we've got to begin to see is that God's desire is that we would begin to be unified, that we as a, as a body would begin to be unified. And when we begin to recognize that we are all in this together, that we've all, as this verse says, our hearts have turned away from God, then we can begin to move in the right direction. But it is a heart issue. And he says this, that when you've turned your heart away from the Lord, that you'll be like a bush in the wastelands, that you'll be, you will not see prosperity when it comes. He would, you will dwell in parched places of the desert and in salt land where no one lives. Can you imagine this? Now think about this. He says, you'll be in these, like a bush in wastelands. That to me tells me, have you ever just seen a bush in a place that it just couldn't dry, just couldn't grow because the ground was so dry, it was just parched and it was just struggling to get along? This is what he's saying. He's saying, if your heart's far from God, if you haven't turned your heart to him, then ultimately what you're gonna do is you're gonna be like this bush that is just struggling to get along. Have you ever just felt that way where you're just like, if I could just make it, come on, just give me enough to get through to day. I was running the other day. Um, yeah, I was trying and I was going down, um, 
just just down 67, and then I turned back towards the stadium, and then I turned back to 301, and so I made basically like a circle, right? And somehow, I don't know how this happens, I guess God is up there laughing at me um, and just, just messing with me, but every direction I turned, the wind was in my face. Have you ever, those of you who ever run, have you ever noticed how that can happen? It's like every direction you turn, it's like the wind was in my face. I was like, how does this, I just did a circle. And the wind's in my face every direction. And I thought about how many times in life do we feel that way? That every direction I turn, it still feels like the wind is in my face. I still feel like that bush just parched. Just parched and and there's just nothing there. See, I believe so many times we turn to the wrong things. It's not about the direction we turn. It's about who we turn to that matters. Amen? Everybody's there? Yeah. All right, wake up. This is the encouraging part of the message, okay? So this is the part you want to hear, all right? But, but we have this opportunity to turn to God and not be this way. It says that he won't see prosperity when it comes. Listen, it says you can't even recognize good things when they come. I don't want to be like that. It says that he'll dwell in parched places of the desert and in salt land where no one lives. How many times do we feel like we're in this place of isolation where we can't get past? We can't get through. We just feel like we're not going to make it. We need to turn our hearts back to God. It says, but blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. Listen to this. It does not fear when heat comes and its leaves are always green. See, I believe that the person whose heart is turned to God, one thing, there is no fear because the Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. And when you come to God and you surrender your heart to him, you find perfect love. And it tells us that that love will cast out fear and you can begin to enjoy life. I guarantee you, if you look at the things in your life that are causing you to not um, be satisfied, that are causing you to not be happy, to not enjoy life, the root of it, for many of it, will be fear. It'll be fear. Fear of tomorrow, fear of what might happen, fear of what's coming. And yet the Bible says that when we'll turn our hearts to him, that we will not have fear. How about this one? You think this applies today? It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. No worries in a year of drought. How many of you just looking in the natural at this 2010 economically and where our country is heading would say that it could be a year of drought? If you're in the banking business, you're sitting there getting ready going, this could be the worst year yet. Or looking at the economy and you're looking for a job and you're going, what am I going to do? Because this could be the worst year yet. And yet right here it says that there's no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Listen, this is our option. I believe that that's why the next verse says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? If you look at it in the NIV translation, this is what it does. It shows, it reads five through eight. And then those are in quotation marks as though God is saying them through Jeremiah. And then in verse nine, there's no quotation marks. And I say that because of this, I believe that Jeremiah lays out these two options for us. 
That we can be like in a wasteland or we can be planted near a stream intentionally where God is directing our life. And I believe he lays those two choices out for us. And then he goes, how in the world could you choose something else? How could you choose something else? And he says, the heart is deceitful above all things. And it comes back again to the heart. Because the only way, listen to this, the only way we could possibly choose a wasteland over being planted by a stream, and you need to hear this, is if we're deceived. Is if somehow we have bought into a lie that we can be better off apart from God doing our own thing than just submitting our hearts and our lives to God, to turning our hearts back to him and living for him wholly and sold out for him. And it says, and is beyond cure. And listen to this. Who can understand it? Jeremiah, it's almost like he's frustrated. He's looking at it, he's like, he's almost like he's frustrated. Who can understand it? I mean, God has shown himself faithful all these years to the Israel. Who can understand why we would do this? But what's interesting is the word for deceitful, it actually means insidious. How many of you know what insidious means? Yeah, me either. I've won. Yeah, me either. I had to look that word up. But what I found, because my vocabulary is like a thousand words maybe. Um, but you had, I had to look it up. And insidious actually meant slowly and subtly harmful. Slowly and subtly harmful. It also meant slippery. And how, how much is that like our lives? To where we're going through life and we don't typically jump from over here to serving God to way over here to not serving God all at one time, right? But it's slow and it's subtle and it's one little deception after another. And pretty soon our hearts are far away from God. And listen to me, once our hearts go, our tongues are coming right behind them. And we're not going to be speaking life. We're going to be speaking death. And it's true that our tongues are an indicator of what's going on on the inside of us. And if our heart, the very core of who we are, is where all the issues of life spring forth, then we can listen to what we're saying. We can listen to what we're believing for and know where our life is heading. Right? Makes sense? But it says this, the last thing it says, who can understand it? Who can understand it? And I thought about this. I was like, who can understand? Who can understand? Who's able to do it? I mean, even James said that, this, that man can't tame it. He said, we tame wild animals. We tame all these different things, but we can't tame the tongue. Jeremiah says, who can understand it? And then it hit me. It's in the book of Hebrews. It says that we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who is in every way been tempted as we are and yet was without sin. Think about that. There is one now who understands it because God loved us so much, so much that he took on human flesh. He felt the same temptation you feel. He felt the same pull you feel. He, 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 he had Satan literally speaking to him, trying to throw him off course. He understands where we've been. And then when he lived a perfect life, a perfect sinless life, he went to the cross, shed his blood so that you too can live in victory. Amen. How exciting is that? The one who can tame the tongue is Jesus Christ. The one who can, can, can change the heart is Jesus Christ. The longer I walk with God, the more I realize that I can do nothing by myself. It is all about the Holy Spirit. It is 
all about what God does in you. Listen, Jesus right now is sitting at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you. He is praying, and he is giving you the Holy Spirit to come in. And see, what happens is the Holy Spirit comes, and it takes, it's like taking this roadmap that we've been living in, this, this flesh roadmap that's at the center of our being, that's guiding our life, that's this speaking death, doing all these things that aren't good, that aren't right. And he comes with the Holy Spirit, and it's like he lays a new map over that. Now we can choose. We can choose life or death, blessing or cursing. But I say we choose life. I say we, we don't look the sacrifice of Christ in the face and make a mockery of it. I say we receive it in the fullness of all that it is and allow it to change us at the core so that then we would be able to walk out and live a life that is worthy of the sacrifice of Jesus. See, the fact is we all need this. There's not one person in here who doesn't need to some way bring their heart back to the Lord, to Jesus Christ, that we could be changed. At the very core of who we are, and I promise you this, when you are changed at the core, the things that you speak, the things that you say will also change. Guaranteed. Because the word of God is true that from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the issue is, is your heart. The issue is my heart. But the tongue tells us where we're headed because it indicates our faith. It indicates what we're believing God for. And it speaks from the center, the very center of what we're being, or what controls our life and our our path, our choices. So today I want to encourage you to begin to listen to what you say. Are you speaking life to people? Are you speaking life to your wife, to your friends, to your neighbors? Are you speaking death? And then take a look at your heart and figure out why is it that I say the things I say? Why is it that, that, that I can say I'm going into 2010 with faith, but then everything I say indicates that I'm not believing God for anything? Why is it that I say I love my neighbor and then every time they turn around, I'm talking talking bad about them? Come on, I need to do this too. So I want to encourage you today that the way to correct the path of your life is simply by turning. Isn't that what a New Year's resolution is? It's a turning to try to do something different to get another result. I want to tell you today that the turn we need to make is back to God to get our heart right. Amen? Well, let's stand. Let's pray.